It is Monday, September 11th, 2023. This is another edition of Baseball Today. That is my man, Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose, producer Dan, along for the ride as well. Uh, boy, we had a busy baseball weekend. We've got a lot of hot topics to get to, but first we start with a pair of tips of the cap. First of all, to the Atlanta Braves. They are postseason bound for the sixth straight year. They are the first one to punch their ticket. I know it's we're not even in mid-September, and they're already selling playoff seats. So good for them, Plouffe. No, it's incredible. This is um, – they want home field advantage, so the job isn't done just yet, right. but they're, they're going to secure that within a week or so, and they're just an incredible baseball team, man. They there's, sure are. There's nobody like them in the big leagues right now. The other tip of the cap to me is the more important one. San Francisco Giants, and I want to thank Susan Slusser, who covers the Giants for the Chronicle, for turning us on to this story. They have kids with pediatric cancer doing artwork of players that they then put on the scoreboard. And I saw this on social media, and it just warms your heart, man. I mean, I first of all, the artwork is phenomenal, right? It's just so good, and I love it that these kids get their shine. No, it's amazing, and baseball needs more of this. I think baseball does a pretty good job of, you know, mm -hmm. getting into the community and, like you said, just kind of making these kids feel special, and and I'm sure they do. You get to see your artwork up on the Jumbotron. That's amazing. So I, I, I some of this artwork is really good. Very, very good. Very oh, good. that's great right there. Who is that? Is that Logan Webb? Who is that? I don't know who that one is. Oh, that's Her Kyle Harrison. Is that who that is? Oh, it's great. Nice. That is nice really smile, good. Kyle. <laughs> ah, I love it. So tips of the cap to all of our artists out there and to the San Francisco Giants for their acknowledgement. That is awesome. Now let's get into the baseball, where it was not a very good weekend for the Seattle Mariners at all. Lost three straight to wrap up a series against Tampa Bay Rays. That included a start on Friday by George Kirby. They had, I think, a 4-2 lead going into the seventh. Kirby goes out there, only gets one out, kind of unravels. They give up four in the frame. They end up losing the entire game. And then he lost it afterward in post-game interview. I didn't execute. He had a good pitch. Um, I wish I wasn't out there for the seventh, to be honest. So I was at 90 pitches, and I didn't, I didn't think I needed to go anymore. But, you know, it is what it is. So. Is that a conversation in the dugout, or is it? It'll be a conversation soon. Yeah. So Kirby then backtracked on Saturday. He said, I apologize to my manager, Scott Service. This is not who I am, et cetera, et cetera. Is that end of story or is there more to it for you? It should be end of story. And I don't, I saw a lot of people piling on uh, Kirby after this. And those comments weren't great. The tone wasn't good. You know, it's, I think that's what rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Like it's about to be a, a conversation like, I didn't like it when I heard it, obviously, um, you know, as uh, a position player, you know, you, if you pitchers don't want to be out there, you don't want them on the field. So that's kind of was my first thought was, well, Hey, next time you get around 80 pitches, let's just get you off the field if that's what you want. Uh, but that, you know, I think he handled it right the next day and, and has afterwards done what he needs to do to make this kind of a non-story. I, I am curious to see what happens. Next start when he gets to 80 pitches, there are some numbers out there that suggest like after 85 pitches, like his OPS skyrockets, his OPS against skyrockets. So I don't know if that's something, maybe they've had this discussion before and, you know, he wants out after that. I don't, I don't know. I'm not in his head, but the, here's the thing. 
he threw like 130 something innings last year. He's at 160 this year. We talk about innings limits a lot, guys throwing their career highs and all this. Eventually, dude, you got to be a 180 to 200. That's that's the goal. That should be your goal as a starting pitcher. 180 to 200 innings pitch. Eventually, you got to get there. So like the buildup has to finish at some point. This is this is Major League Baseball where there's six months of baseball. You got to be able to provide six months of starts, dude. And that includes going, you should want to go 90 plus pitches every single game because it helps not only you and your career and your salary that you get paid, but it helps the bullpen out, which helps your team. So like, I think that's why a lot of people were upset. Just like the tone of it wasn't right. And I think if he looks back on it, he'll think that was kind of foolish of me to say and foolish. It was a foolish mindset to have. I'm saying, I'm telling you this right now. I don't want my starter out there wanting to be out of the game. Like if he wants out of the game, then don't pitch, man. So in my mind, it's stories over. I think he handled it the right way. And going forward, they have way bigger things to worry about if you're the Mariners. I mean, you're trying to hold on to that wild card spot. And you got to play some tough teams, including Texas, who's right behind you. I think you play them seven more times during the year. So, like, there's more things to focus on and bigger things to focus on than what George Kirby said after the game. So, I think it's over, but I am curious to see how they handle, you know, fifth inning, sixth inning comes along. and He's at that pitch count. What are they going to do? Okay. Uh, I don't care, to be honest with you, what we have to say about it. I don't care what Roger Clemens has to say about it. I don't care what Mark Mulder has to say about it. I don't care about what Jeff Weaver has to say about it. I don't care about what... You know, because it always turns into, well, that wouldn't have worked back in my day. I don't care. Here's what I care about. I received several texts and even a call from active major leaguers, several, who's like, what the fuck is the matter with George Kirby? And I said, okay, so hold on here. If he was on your team, would there have been a problem? He goes, seriously, there might have been a fight in the clubhouse. That's what they said. They said there would have been a serious issue. And to me, that is the only issue here. I mean, we can think about whatever we want for a guy who's got 27 big league starts to say that stuff. It's absolutely asinine. It's ridiculous. But at the same time, it doesn't matter what Chris Rose or Trevor Plouffe or anybody else has to say about it. It matters what those guys in the clubhouse say and think. And you damn well better make sure that you've got everything buttoned up here, George Kirby. Like, you better... He, the first words out of his mouth shouldn't have been, I apologize to my manager. It should have been, I apologize to my teammates. Because I only care about what those dudes think of him. And you be honest with me. If you were in that Mariners clubhouse, wouldn't you have been like, what the fuck is the matter with this guy? He is an analytics baby. He was created in a pitching lab. And now what? The, the alarm goes off every time he hits 90 pitches. Like, what, what are we doing here? I'm playing every day and busting my ass, and that guy is worried at pitch 90, his arm's going to explode? I mean, yeah, you feel that way, especially if you're his teammate in the clubhouse. Yes, that's what I was trying to convey. But at the same time, it does you no good to turn this into something it doesn't need to be. So, But so, you're a human being. Yeah, you're a exactly. human being. So you're sometimes a professional, it's though. You're a professional, though. So somebody sat him down and talked to him. 100%. I don't know who it is. I don't know if it was Luis Castillo I don't know if it was somebody on the pitching staff sat him down and talked to him. The position players not going to like that at all. Normally there's a divide between your position players and your pitchers, unless it's a catcher. So the catchers mm -hmm. might've also said something 
uh, to him. He got talked to. And really, that's all that needs to happen. A fight, get real. Whoever said that to you needs to chill chill out a little bit. You can tell me off camera and I'll call him. Like, there doesn't need to be a fight. And I've seen this happen. I've been in clubhouses where there was close to fist fights over stupid stuff like this that, you know, you, you didn't show respect to the game or the team. And like things like this happen, but it's 162. You're around each other so much. These are going to happen. People are going to say stupid things. They're going to say, they're going to do stupid things. But you have to focus on the task at hand, which is for the Mariners, is the final three weeks of the season. They got to finish this out. Okay. I don't think it's going to linger. I don't. All right. Uh, the task at hand for the Angels is A, figure out a way to get Shohei to not leave you, and B, maybe to get something in return for Mike Trout. And I say that because Bob Nightingale of USA Today says that the Angels would entertain trading Mike Trout if he walked into the office and said, I would like to move on. Does this feel like a real possibility or no? i got to choose my words carefully here. Ooh. Uh, no, I, I just... I think it is a real possibility. And I think it's turned into that after what transpired over this year. I mean, you make a decision to keep Shohei because, you know, at, at the time I said it was great for the fan base. They owed it to the fan base to do that. Um, Is it still the right decision? I'm still saying yes. They could have got stuff for him and I get it. Like they bombed and now Shohei's hurt and he's not coming back to Anaheim and all these things. Um. So there, I think there's a huge sour taste in the front office's mouth and probably Artie Moreno's mouth uh, where they're saying, dang, like, that was a mistake. Not trading Shohei was a mistake. And we can't allow our franchise to continue on the path that it's on. So really, the only thing of value they have is Mike Trout. Mm. There's some young guys, sure, that but you don't. And guys making money is what I'm talking about. They need to get rid of some money. It, it wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to offload Anthony Rendon's contract and just bit the bullet and took a bunch of money and said, "See you later." Be curious to see if they're willing to do that. If another team was willing to pick him up for a fraction of what he's owed, curious. Um, but the Mike Trout thing, he's still worth a lot, man. And you could restock your farm system and do all those things. And I think Chris Rose, I'm not saying I would do that. I'm saying, I think they are thinking about it. And so there is legs to the story. I think it is a possibility. How much so? I'm not sure. In my mind, if I'm running the angels, I don't trade my truck. Okay. I don't. Well, let's play this. I out. think they're thinking of it though. First of all, it's got to come from trout. He's a 10, five guy. He yeah. can veto any trade. So this starts and ends with Mike Trout walking into the office. Now, if you're the Angels and Mike Trout says, yeah, I would like to go somewhere. You have to at what, that point. Okay, but how if do you Mike play Trout this walks out? into your office, you say, fuck, we got to now. But how do you play this out if you're the Angels? How tradable is Mike Trout? I'm being honest here. No, no, no. Don't look at me weird. The next seven years, he gets paid $37 million a year. He just turned 32 in August. He hasn't played more than like 100 and here, let me find this number. He hasn't I played can't. more than 120 games since 2019. You have to do this. I know this was a freak injury this year on a swing, all that sort of stuff. But you, if you're a team that's taking on almost $40 million a year, you have to factor his injury history into the equation, even though some of it is freak stuff, right? He bangs up his finger sliding into second or whatever. I get it. 
and I'm a huge Mike Trout fan, but so what's the goal here? Is it to unload payroll? Like, do you say we'll eat $10 million a year? So now he's a $27 million player. Like how much, how, how many young guys do we have to get back for him? Or is it just simply hitting the restart button? I think you're crazy to ask how tradable is Mike Trout? I get it. There's been some injuries. I get it. There's money owed. That doesn't, that's, Don't that should it be doesn't negligible. Matter. It doesn't matter. $37 million a year so for a guy. What? For so Mike what? Trout. For Mike Trout. We're not talking about Anthony Rendon here. Anthony Rendon is not tradable. Okay. He's not. I now, agree. maybe they'll try to by eating. 90% of his salary? I don't know. That's They're not in the same category. This is Mike Trout. You get a face of the franchise immediately with Mike Trout. You get a guy that's going to give you a 900-plus OPS every single time he's on the field. Now, you can point uh. to some injuries because I know that's where you're going to go. You can figure things out with him. This guy is a very valuable player. In fact, he's worth more and $37 million a year. That's facts, Chris. That is okay. 100% facts. I don't care if any front office wants to admit it. Those are just straight facts. Mike Trout is worth that money. Every single penny of it. I, I would hope you're right. And then in that case, I would hope that the Angels would get what they want out of this. Um, They might have to eat some money if they want better stockpiling of talent. That's just, I mean, it, the Mets just did it. And I think that possibly the Angels would look into doing that. But we'll see how this plays out over the next few months. Once again, it's just a report. I uh, want to tell you a little bit about a new John Boy Media Warehouse Games event. Hopefully you caught the live stream on Thursday. It was awesome. Uh, Blitzball Blitz Road to Billy's. It is a live in-person Warehouse Games production. It'll feature two semifinal games followed by the championship game. Blitzball Blitz, it'll take place on Sunday, October 1st, 11 a.m. Eastern. All ages are welcome. Here's the deal. You get early access tickets. Those are 100 bucks. They include access to Billy's an hour early at 10 a.m. Blitzball Blitz t-shirts, event badge, lanyard, as well as the opportunity to be a part of the exclusive John Boy Media content. Hurry, because there's only 50 early access tickets available. But if you don't get one of those 50s, don't cry because there's also general admission tickets available for 30 bucks that gets you into Billy's at 11 a.m. to enjoy all of the Blitzball content. So we need you to go to shop.johnboymedia.com or visit the link in the description to buy your tickets today. See it, Billy's. Go be one of those first 50 to get that early access for 100 bucks. I'll tell you, the live stream was great the other day. To watch this game played in person at Billy's, it's going to be insane. I'm looking forward to it. Be I am too. It's incredible what our teams they'll do. I'm sorry, I just gave a, a nasty facial gesture. It wasn't towards this read and our team. It was towards the chat and amp, which I can't right now, guys. You know I love you, but I got someone saying Mike Trout is not even a top five player in baseball. I got our guy Reed Schilling, excellent chef, saying he isn't the face of a franchise. Ooh, guys, let's just. Let's I just, just think, calm down. This guy I has a it. career 994 OPS. Get me five players in baseball that have a career 994 or higher OPS. Please, please do it. You can't. No, most of them are dead. So it's, I'm not going to You can't. Um, I just want to make my point clear to you. The reason I think it's hard to trade is or tricky is because of the 
the contract at 32. It just, it, I think a lot of teams are skeptical with the way that financial structures are these days. They oh, like short. I'm sick of financially skeptical teams. Then Ooh. sell it to somebody else. Okay. All right. All right. Gosh. You calm down there. You calm down there. Let's go to the other end of the baseball age spectrum. 20-year-old Jason Dominguez has been quite a breath of fresh air for the New York Yankees. Unfortunately, his season is over. He's got a torn UCL. It sounds like Tommy John surgery is in his near future. Seeger had it a few years ago. Bryce Harper had it. He came back and played this year. How concerning is it, though, for a 20-year-old that is just getting started? I I I don't think it's very concerning. I, before, like, the last couple of years, I would have said, yeah, it's really concerning. Like, First of all, what happened? I asked they, Jimmy they and Jake know. this. They don't know? No, they they couldn't. He couldn't specify. As of last night when I was reading. He, he didn't have a, a moment where he felt something, yeah. He said it, he didn't feel like it happened on a swing or a throw in particular. It just happened. He couldn't get through batting practice. They were like, let's get some imaging, and this is what they found. So it was hurting him in batting practice because that's interesting. Okay. Um, it's. I think he's going to be fine. I mean, we've seen Bryce Harper came back after what? 160 days or something. I was saying four months, right? It was something like that. Five months. He was back hitting. So the only thing this affects, which I guess he's got to get the surgery like right away. They kind of have a guy that DHs a lot (laughs) with the Yankees. So that's the only concerning thing is if he has to DH, then you got to play Giancarlo or he just DHs in the minor leagues, which might actually happen for them at the beginning of next year. If that's the case, we can only DH. He might start in the minor leagues. That's the only concerning thing. I, I, I'm not worried about him. He's not a pitcher. Um, he's a he, he's a banger, and we've seen people come back and bang. I mean, Shohei's got a torn UCL right now and was still hitting. So I'm not I'm not worried about this whatsoever. To be honest with you, he's going to yeah. hit and he's going to be just fine. Yeah, I the only thing, and you hit on it, is the short term roster construction for the Yankees because they don't only have one DH. They have more and more guys they're going to have to get off their feet, right? I mean, Judge, you want to get him off his feet occasionally. DJ LeMay, who's still going to be under contract, he's not going to be playing every day in the field. Like They they have to utilize that position for some of their big money guys. And if this kid's – the other thing is Bryce Harper has not played a game in the outfield. They moved him to first base, and they need well, him in the outfield. So what are you going to do with Dominguez? Yankees don't have a first baseman. Anthony Rizzo is still under contract next year. Okay, you're right. You're right. I forgot. I forgot. I haven't seen him play in a while. So, uh, yeah. I mean, look, he's. It's gonna be. It's gonna be interesting for them to how this works out because, like I mentioned, if he can only DH, I don't think he starts the year in the big leagues. Right. Well, but it'll give the Yankees can... an excuse to put him back down, and then yep. you know you have the you do have a roster where you kind of have a permanent DH there, so it's. But the whole point is, is that this is the this is the worst Yankees season in possibly in decades. And this was one of the things where you're like, oh, my God, we needed to see this kid over the last month. Have him have some ups and downs. It's been all up so far. And now you might have a vacancy in center field. Like if he's ready to go, he won't be the center fielder until maybe the second half of the season. Maybe if you're fortunate. So now what does Cashman, if he's around still, do they have to rethink their offseason planning? Cashman's in J- in Japan right now, checking out some pitchers, man. Okay. He's already he's already working on that. Yeah, I, I, it's gonna. Yeah, this is it definitely. 
makes them have to think about, you know, what's going to happen at the beginning of next year, uh, which they probably already were having. You know, there's still, there, there is that roster crunch. I mean, John Carlos Stanton does make it a little difficult for you to construct a roster and use it similar to how like Buxton being a everyday DH for the yeah. twins, like really hurt their roster construction this year because they needed to give guys days off and they couldn't cause Buck was there the whole time. So, um, but as, Strictly talking about Dominguez here, Jason Dominguez, he's going to be okay. All right. Uh, the reason I'm wearing a Pittsburgh Pirates hat is because of what happened with Key Brian Hayes over the weekend. He had a 3-1 count, eighth inning in a 5-2 game where they're losing to the Braves, a clear pitch that was high and outside. He had thrown the bat away, assuming he had walked. Nope, he didn't. Umpire Bill Miller called him back. Hayes tweeted after the game, some umpires really don't care. 3-1 call, not even close. I hold him accountable after the game, walking off the field. His response is, hey, I gave you a chance to hit a home run. That tells me you don't care at all. No accountability. Bring the ABS, please. Is this a big deal? No, it's. I don't think this tweet is a big deal. It's just more of what we already know. I mean, there is no accountability. There's zero accountability for. But umpires. what about if what Bill Miller said to him is accurate? That doesn't bother you? No, because this is this is what Bill Miller would say something like this. He's an old school umpire. He doesn't want. Like he he probably thinks Key Brian Hayes is just this young dude who shouldn't be talking to him like that. That's how the old umpires act. And you know, the good ones are accountable. And if you say something to them, they'll say, "Hey, man, I'll check it out." If I miss it, my bad, you know, but the older guys, they don't like that at all. So he tried to be funny, a little quip. Oh, I gave you a chance to hit a home run. This is not anything out of the ordinary. I promise you that. I mean, these guys, especially the guys that have been around 20, 25 years, they aren't account. They aren't held accountable. We know that. Um, and they think that nobody should question them and they should just accept the call for what it is. And it's it is BS. It is BS, man. But it's not all umpires. A lot of umpires in the big leagues, the good ones, the good ones will say, "Hey, I might have missed that. Let me go check it out, or let me check it out for you. We'll talk tomorrow." He's going to be at third base tomorrow. Bill Miller. Oh, I guess that that was Sunday, so he's not going to yeah, be there. But ending. yeah, but that's typically what happens. You're, you're able to have discussions with the good umpires, oh. and you have to do it respectfully. But some of these dudes, and and Bill Miller's one of them. He's just has no time for anyone to question him. And that's the problem. Do, do and the no accountability is the number one problem. Do you feel any better when a guy comes up and says, hey, listen, man, I fucked that up. I'm sorry. Yeah, of course you do. Of course. Okay. It's all you want. Because look, dude, players are held accountable every single pitch of every game. You got to answer the questions. And if you don't, you get roasted for not answering the questions. So you're accountable. You just hope the same thing for everybody else involved in the game. Front officers should be held accountable. We need to hear more from the GMs, and we need to hear more about that. We don't hear enough from them. Umpires should be held accountable. We need to hear more uh, uh, from them if they mess up. Get them in front of a camera. That's what happens in baseball, except for those two people. So I don't know. I I, I don't think this is like a big deal. It happens all the time. The fact that he tweeted about it, I probably wouldn't have done that if I was Key Brian Hayes. Is like now you're kind of putting a target on your back for the rest of the umpires, especially the old dogs. That's a little secret, little tip for all the young guys in the big league. Just be nice to the umpires no matter what. What percentage of major league umpires are on social media? Uh, not many. 
I'd assume. Not hey, they many, just had but a big they, turnover. That, they just had a big turnover. There's some younger dudes out there. I still think they don't want to hear about it. Unless you're like Pat Hoberg who's really good and he's got, you know, his like stabbing thing and he might he might feel himself from time to time. The good umpires might feel themselves from time to time. Okay. I don't think Bill Miller has a freaking Instagram or a, an X. Uh, last thing before we get out of here on the podcast and the YouTube side of things, Willie Adamas, Brewers in the boogie down for Yankees old timers day. And Derek Jeter was there putting the jersey on. So Adamas, that was his idol growing up. He ran out during warmups, ran out in just a cut off T-shirt and wanted to meet him. And it was so cute. I mean, look at the look on his face when he gets his heads back to the dugout. He's like, yes. I met him. I met my man. He's giving hugs to teammates and saying, Fuck yes, I finally did that. Uh, who was the one guy for you where maybe you went out of your way to say, man, I got to go see him? I mean, Jeter's one of them. Um, I got to play against him a bunch, and he was always nice to me. I didn't run out like this, never really had the chance to do that, but I made sure, like, batting practice, go say hi to him, second base, make sure to address him and just tell him, like, you know, I've watched, I watched you a lot. And most of the time those guys are like, Oh man, you're making me feel old. Um, him and a rod. I, I liked, I grew up wanting to emulate a rod on the field. I did. It seems kind of silly now. Um, uh, but like he had the sweetest swing and was just such a dang good player. So those two guys, I went out of my way. The one guy that really was similar to that, like running up to him and like wanting to meet him was Brett Butler. He was a coach, uh, with the Marlins. And I had a used to have a book growing up. Yeah, Brett Butler, former Dodger, left hand, yeah, left handed bunt expert. Exactly. So I had this flip book when I was younger. You know the flip books? Yeah. And it taught you how to bunt. It was Brett Butler, and you'd flip it, and it would teach you how to bunt. And I love. I was little when I was younger, so I would bunt, and I like learned how to bunt. And from that book, so like I I went up to him and like, man, like you were like my favorite player growing up, and I think wow. he was a little taken aback by it. Um, so that's pretty good. I got to tell you yeah, this about Brett Butler. So he played for a handful of teams, had a lengthy career, short guy, super speedy center fielder played with the largest mitt ever goes, go find some YouTube highlights, go down a rabbit hole on yeah. Brett Butler, biggest glove I've ever seen. So he played in Atlanta, he played in Cleveland, he played for the Dodgers. And I think if I'm not mistaken, he was the last out of the 89 world series. Okay. I believe if I'm not mistaken, I think he hit a ground ball. Maybe Tony Phillips Who won the 89 World Series? The A's. It was the Bay Area A's, World okay. Series that was stopped by the earthquake. Yeah. And I think Dennis Eckersley was covering first base. And so I think I think maybe that's right. I'm not okay. 100%. For me, very quickly, legendary radio broadcaster Ernie Harwell. Uh, once again, there's some people who are not going to know that name. A legendary broadcaster in this business, primarily for the Detroit Tigers. And I was a summer intern at a radio station in Cleveland. One of my jobs was to cover the Indians games. I went down there for batting practice and he's standing around the cage. And I just went up and I said, Mr. Harwell, I'm 20 years old. I go, Mr. Harwell, I'm just a huge fan and I'm trying to get into this business. And I just want to say, I love your work and thank you for everything you do for the game. And he goes, son, he goes, don't let anybody tell you that you can't do this. You just keep working. You just keep working hard, and if you love it, you will get it. And I wish you the best of luck. And I still hear that voice in my head today, 32 years later. It was. That's awesome. It was really damn cool. 
it's cool yeah i'm sure he was very appreciative of it uh as well it's just it's cool man i wish somebody would come say hey man like i love they you. will they will you're not old enough to say hey i wanted to be you you're still you're mid-30s these these, these you know the only the only people that say that to me are these ex-baseball players are like hey man like i want to i want to i want to do what you're doing now exactly. good luck good luck good. player <laughs> We are back at it again on Tuesday. If you haven't downloaded the live AMP app, please join us. It is a ton of fun. You get to mix it up with us. You can download that on your iPhone and be a part of the discussion. Just check our social media channels to see what time the live show is because it changes from day to day. We will chat today. It was. I love that. Uh, We will see you on Tuesday for our one-of-a-kind producer, Dan Rourke, and our uber-talented Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose. We'll catch you Tuesday on Baseball Today.